Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. Uh, Thursday not, Thursdays at our home is the day that our little granddaughter comes over. She's uh, a little older than two years old now, and she comes over. And I'd like to take credit, but I don't really do any of the child care. I come in as grandpa and do all the fun things. dun da 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 and, and Patty watches her for the day and does all the, just really all the stuff with her. And one of Kenny's favorite things to do is to play Play-Doh with who she calls Mimi, all right? And so she wants to play Play-Doh. So Patty's always buying her new Play-Dohs and new colors and keeping the Play-Doh fresh. And, and I had come through the house and, and they were sitting and she was sitting in her high chair and Patty was playing Play-Doh with her. And, and Patty went to grab some of the Play-Doh And with just a little bit of an attitude, she said, no, mine. Now, if you've ever had two-year-old kids, that's nothing uncommon, right? So I'm not telling tales that nobody knows about, but it bugged me just a little bit because it had a little edge to it. How many know? Come on, ladies. It's not what you say, but it's how you say it. And this was a how you say it moment. This was a testing my boundaries kind of moment. No, it's mine. So Patty reached for a different color. No, mine. And she said with a little, and so the pastor in me had to do something about this. So I stood up and went over there and I said, hey, how about if Pop-Pop makes you a bracelet? No, mine. I thought, man, you're just like your father. I don't understand. (laughs) When he was about two years old, I bought him some Skittles, and he wouldn't give me one Skittle out of the whole bag. I'm telling you, it's in the bloodline, everybody. It's in the bloodline. And, and so I snuck a little piece of Play-Doh, and I rolled it out real quick, and the whole time you could see she was agitated, and, and, and I, I put a little bracelet around Patty's wrist, and as soon as I kind of squeezed it together, I said, I said, that's why we share. She reached for the Play-Doh, ripped the little bracelet off of her arm, and I said, oh, no, you didn't. Didn't. Uh-uh. Come on now. We got, we got to preach some gospel in here because a generous man will prosper, right? And so I said, I got to thinking because she thought that the Play-Doh was hers. Kenny, what you don't understand is really, girl, the Play-Doh is mine. We keep the Play-Doh at my house. Uh, We spent our money on what you think is your Play-Doh. I know you're two, and I know you, but this is my Play-Doh. I gathered up all the Play-Doh, and I held it in my hand, and she had this big old ball of Play-Doh, and as soon as I grabbed that Play-Doh, I know you're going to think I'm a monster. She let loose. It was like I was the devil himself. No comments from you. Just wait till the end of the story. I mean, tears, the whole lip thing. I mean, it was on. I'm telling you, it was on. And she would reach for it and try to grab it back. I said, no, we share. And she would reach for it. Mine. I said, no, we share. And finally, she turned her hand from this way to this way. I thought, aha, because I learned a lesson (laughs) that when we live with our hands this way, we receive on Christmas and we receive on our birthdays. But when we learn to live our lives this way, we can receive from God every single day of the year. Amen, everybody, right? 
I gave her back her Play-Doh, and she had it, and she started smiling, and she had these big old giant crocodiles. Patty was almost ready to cry. It was emotional. Patty's over there, oh, give her the Play-Doh. There's big old crocodile tears. I gave her the Play-Doh back. Watch this. She took a chunk out of the Play-Doh. She handed it over to Mimi. She took a chunk of the Play-Doh. She handed it over to me. A big old smile came on her face and said, we share. We, we share. Come on, everybody. That night at dinner, I said, okay, I want you to tell mom and daddy, what lesson did we learn today? She said, share. And then last night, we were getting ready to come to church, and we all ate dinner together. And after dinner, Carmen went and got a piece of chocolate, and Kenny looked up at her and said, we share. (laughs) You know, two years olds are something, aren't they? Uh Uh-oh. Wait, 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 wait just a minute. But I know some 22-year-olds that think it's all theirs. I know some 42-year-olds that think everything is there. Come on, everybody. I know some 62-year-olds that think it's mine. But how many know everything on this planet, none of it's ours. He called us to be stewards of it and manager of it. He is the Lord God Almighty, and it all belongs to Him. He paid for it. He created it, and He put it into our lives. Come on, everybody. And you know what? I thought, man, I wonder how often we act like two-year-olds in the Father's eyes. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about sacrifice. I want to talk to you about not just being generous, but being generous in a way that sometimes it's sacrificial. You see, sacrifice is not a message we hear too often in America's churches anymore. We hear a lot of messages on how to be blessed. We hear a lot of messages on the seven keys to prosperity and the three steps to blessing. And, but we don't hear, in my humble opinion, enough messages on take up your cross daily and daily die to yourself. Daily give up some of the Play-Doh that is not ours in the first place. Sacrifice some time. Sacrifice some talent. Sacrifice some time with the Lord. We don't really hear that many messages anymore about sacrifice and in the church when we talk about sacrifice if you've been in the church you'll start conjuring up images of old testament blood sacrifices and that's kind of like it's you know it just it doesn't set real well with us especially in the midst of a an american christian preaching that talks to us every week about how we can be blessed and we can be blessed But how many know sacrifice is just as important and taking up our cross is just as important? And when we say it, we get this idea. And in the Old Testament, the high priest would once a year go in and offer sacrifice. The Day of Atonement would offer sacrifice for the people. And before we go in and offer the sacrifice, he would put on the high priest garments. In this Grace Train series, I'm going to talk a little bit about the uh, priest garments. I won't get too deep in it today, but I just want to give you a little glimpse. He would put on the priestly garments before he would go offer the sacrifice uh, uh, on the Day of Atonement for the sins of the people. And on his garment, one of the things that hung, if you know anything about it, that hung on the hem of the priestly garment, the Bible says that it hung around the hem was a bell and a pomegranate. And they alternated all the way around. A bell and a pomegranate and a bell and a pomegranate and a bell and a pomegranate. Now, 
Everything in Scripture is profitable, so we got to understand the meaning of that. And, and the bell represents the gifts of the Spirit, and the pomegranate represents the fruit of the Spirit. Come on. And one has to temper the other, because without the fruit, the bell can get too loud. Come on now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, okay, let me give you some scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. If I have the gift of speaking in the language of men and angels, if I can speak in, in, in the tongues of men and angels, gift, but I do not have love, fruit, pomegranate, then I am just a clanging noise, right, everyone? And the reason that the bell was on there is because when he'd go into the Holy of Holies, only the high priest was allowed to go in and offer sacrifice for the atonement of the sins of the people. The people weren't allowed to go in, but they would stand on the outside and listen for a sound. They would listen because if the blood sacrifice had not been accepted by God, then the priest would die in the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. So the people, could you imagine going to church in those days? The people are waiting. Did the pastor do all right on our behalf? And they're waiting for a sound. They're waiting to make sure they can hear the bell ringing on the Day of Atonement that the sacrifice has been accepted. Oh. Put that on a shelf for just a moment. I'm going to close my message with that thought. But let me bring the word sacrifice into our modern day context. The word sacrifice, it means this. To sur the surrender of something for the sake of something else. It, it, it's given up one thing. It's like a child on monkey bars. I got to let go of this one so that I can swing to the next thing. I, I got to let go of one thing so that God can put something else in my hand. And I wonder if we're so busy holding on to mine that we miss out on what's his. Ah, come on. Uh, let me say that again because some of you were dozing off, all right? So I wonder if we're so busy grabbing onto our Play-Doh when God has some real dough. You know what I'm talking about? And I don't mean money. I just mean blessing. Come on, everybody. Are you hearing that today? And, 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 and I want to propose that God, he shows up at the place of sacrifice. Now, put that on hold. Once a year, we come to you when it's this time of the year to talk about sacrifice, to talk about generosity. And we ask you to pray about something we call Legacy Weekend or Legacy Offering. If you've been around here, you know about it. When we, when we hit January of this following year, 2022, we will celebrate Radius Church's five-year anniversary. Come on, somebody, right? And... Uh, do you know, if you're newer around here, you don't know this, so I'll tell you. In these five years, we have never taken an offering. We've never asked you to make a faith promise. We didn't start by making you sign a card that says you'll bring this much. We just believe that if we talk to God about money, he has a better way of talking to you about your money than I do. Right, everybody? And so we haven't taken an offering. But once a year, we ask you, we don't ask you for an offering. We ask you to pray about doing something above and beyond your normal in what we call a legacy offering. Legacy offering this year will happen on November the 14th. Let me tell you a little bit about what we do with the legacy offering. We divide it three ways, and it goes into three different lanes. Number one is we keep some of the money right here locally in good old Skagit Valley. How many know that people would love to hear our message more if we weren't just telling them the love of Jesus Christ and we were tangibly showing them ways that Jesus loves them? Can I get an amen on that? Right, everybody? Come on now. And, and so 
Uh, we, I love Skagit Valley. That's why I'm here. I'm on assignment here. God has brought us here to finish unfinished business, and we're going to pour in. How can we go pour in around the world until we pour into the very community that we live in? There's a pandemic in our valley. There's a homeless pandemic in our valley. There's a hurting pandemic in our valley, and there's a lot of ways that we can pour into people and show the love of Jesus Christ. Come on, how many know I'm right about it? right? And so we'll do that. Every year we pour into our community with part of the legacy offering, and you've been here and you've witnessed days like serve day and giving shoes away to the homeless and giving groceries away. Uh, every year with the legacy offering, we pour into sometimes the police departments have had needs and we've poured into them. Sometimes some of the other ministries that I don't want to call by name and we've poured into them. We have helped other churches during this pandemic. Um, and, and believe me, during the pandemic, we needed finances. But I believe the scripture that a generous man will prosper. Let me paraphrase it a little bit. And a generous church will prosper too. Come on, right, everybody? And so we have done all of those things. This year, I want to tell you something we're going to do before the year ends. So on November the 21st, we're going to take a portion of the legacy offering this year, and instead of shoes and groceries, we're going to go out and make sure that all the people that we reach on Saturday mornings in our homeless ministry have coats and sleeping bags as the cold weather comes on. Amen, everybody? Come on. Now... You say, well, Ken, that doesn't do a lot. I know, but we determine not to let what we can't do stop us from what we can do. One day we might be able to build them some houses and own a piece of property and put them in a discipleship program. But for today, we'll be faithful in the small things and put a coat on them when they're cold. Come on, everybody, right? The, and, and then on November the 21st, we're going to have a day that we're calling amongst us, feed the multitudes. Come on. The tacos went over so good, I thought, we got to bring the tacos back. Can I get an amen on that? That one right so I thought we're going to go into our targeted uh, areas our targeted neighborhoods where we know there's a lot of single moms a lot of lower income a lot of people helping one day I want to be able to put on the big extravagant Thanksgiving meal for them we're not there yet but we're going to do a pre-thanksgiving meal we've rented the restaurant in back of us and we're going to target our neighborhoods and we're going to bring them in for another taco party a free meal on us everybody come on now and then while they're over there eating they can come by and they can let their kids play on the new playground no pressure but somebody in here has got to get that thing built all right and so the kids can play on the playground. Then we're going to bring them over to our outreach center where all of you bakers in the room, come on, any bakers in the house? I, I almost said women, but that's kind of chauvinistic. Look, I got a young man raising his hand. I'm proud of you, boy. All right. Come on. Any men that do some baking in the house? All right. We need at least 100 bakers in the house, okay? Come on. That was two. That's pitiful. We had 100 butchers at your party, but we can't find a baker. All right. Come on now. All right. We need the butchers and the bakers and the candlestick makers. All right, everybody? We, we need a hundred pies homemade because when they're done with their tacos, we want to say happy Thanksgiving to you. If you need any groceries, we got a bag of groceries for you. And every family needs a freshly baked pie on Thanksgiving Day. And we're going to give them a Thanksgiving pie. Come on, everybody, right? 
So that's the first lane that your legacy offering goes in. And if you're a part of this church, you see these things happening. Number two is we want to uh, we want to make sure we're in the national lane. We're doing some things nationally. We want to continue to uh, invest in the Dream Center and partner with the Dream Center down in Colorado City, where uh, many of you know the story. We had 21 people from Radius go on a missions trip there, and um, we're trying to go in and rebuild an entire city. Warren Jeffs, if you know the story. He was arrested. He's serving three life sentences for the cult he was leading, but he left behind uh, 70% of that city is 17 years old or younger with no education and no way to make a living. And so we've been pouring funds into that, sending teams down there. Uh, We've already invested because of your faithfulness in giving. uh, We've invested this year $25,000 into Colorado City. Come on, to help take those women... Here's what your money's doing. It helps take those women, and we give them housing and food. We're feeding over 65% of that community right now with some other partners, all right? And so we're just going to continue to do that. We're going to also continue to pour into church planters. Did you know of the people that give their life to the Lord in church on a Sunday morning, 90% of those people give their life to the Lord in a church today in America that is five years old or younger? How many know church planting is a great place to invest in, right, everybody? Come on now. And so because of your faithfulness and giving as of this month, Radius Church, just four and a half years old, has already invested $75,000 and other churches just like us planting around the nation where 90% of today's salvations are happening. Come on now. Come on, man. All right. And then number three is we want to continue to invest into Radius and our church and just continue to let this offering accelerate the vision here and the vision that we all share together, that we can continue to build ministries here. Everything we've done, we've only done it as the finances have been there so we don't get into debt. How many are grateful for that, everybody, right? And, uh, and so we're, we've just recently poured into our children's ministry. We got a playground on the way here. And uh, we just are continuing to do those things. We're really believing God that we're going to be able to rent the rest of that building. Come on, wouldn't it be great if we could provide ministry, not just to kids on Sunday, but what about Monday through Sunday and start all over again, right, everybody? Come on now. We can reach these children that need Jesus. And... Um, And finally, I want us to invest in Radius so we can continue to prepare for the future, continue to prepare for what God has for us, and whether that's buying a piece of land or buying a property that needs to be remodeled. And if we can continue to steward the legacy offering, isn't it great that the one day will come where we can go into a building program and not have to stand here and take pulpit time to beat you up and ask you for money if we would only steward the finances that you're giving ahead of time can I get an amen on that right okay now now I want to hurry up and go to my last two points so here they are and they're the best two points I think I'll let you judge all right so we spent recently three weeks talking about Elijah and soul care and I just couldn't get past Elijah how many know I often have this problem I I always think I'm done with a series and I come back to it right and I want to go back to Elijah just for a minute and I want to go back a chapter And I want to pull two thoughts out of his life that will demonstrate how God shows up at the place of sacrifice. 
And I just want to give you two points, two real simple points today that we'll all understand. I want to talk to you about setbacks, and I want to talk to you about sacrifice. And I want to show you through Scripture how God always shows up at the place of sacrifice. But first, let's get rid of the excuse. The excuse could be, well, we're in a setback. Ken, do you not know where we're at? We're living in uncertain times. We're living in a time where this pandemic has caused businesses to close. It's in a time where people have lost their jobs. And we're living in a time when we don't know what the stock market's doing. We don't know what inflation is doing. We don't know what the housing market. We are in a very unstable time. We're in a time where people are losing their jobs. People are torn between getting vaccinated and not getting vaccinated and all the crazy stuff that's going on Ken how could you talk to us about a legacy offering when we're living in such a setback in such an uncertain time and I got to thinking about that isn't the truth that we're always in uncertain times wait 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 wait, wait. I'll preach I heard some amens over here I'll preach to you guys uh, but but isn't it the truth you, you, you see, some uncertain times come on the 5 o'clock news, but some uncertain times come like a ninja in the night. But isn't it true that if we build on anything else than the foundation of God's Word, we are always living in uncertain times, right? And the best thing to do when we're in uncertain times is to build our house and our finances and our minds on the heart of God. Can I get an amen on that, right? And so we're always, and if you think we're in a setback, First uh, Kings chapter number 17, I'm telling you, Elijah was in a setback. They were in a bona fide recession. It had not rained in three and a half years. They were in a drought. Animals are dying. Crops are dying. People are dying. There is an absolute drought. They're in a recession. Not only are they in a recession, but they're living under a ungodly evil government i just let that hang out there just a little bit you see, did you feel all the air go out of the room when i said that it's like everything was rolling around fine yeah yeah well you do whatever you want to watch then the word of the lord came to him saying this is to elijah arise and go to zarephath which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. That's fascinating already to me. A widow? Not Bill Gates? <laughs> not the wealthy? Not the government? They're not providing? You, you're sending me to a widow? Hmm, mm, mm. I, if I wasn't trying to go fast, this is really, to me, a comedic point right here. A widow? This is where you want me to go to get the needs met? Mm, watch this. I, I, I've commanded a widow to provide for you. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, watch this. This is interesting, too. Please bring me a cup, of, uh, a, 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 a little water in a cup. A little water. Just, just a little bit of water in a cup. Uh, remember, they're in a famine. What's the greatest commodity? Ah, I think we might be on to something. The greatest commodity is water, so bring me a little bit of what the greatest commodity, bring me a little bit of sacrifice. Bring me a little bit of water in a cup that I may drink. And then it goes on. Now, now this is where the story gets crazy. I just really wish I had time. And as she was going to get it, watch Elijah, watch the nerve of this pastor. I mean, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. 
she's going to get the water, and oh, by the way, can you bring me some Twinkies? You know, I mean, what is going on here, right? So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only. Every time we say we don't have something, there's always an only. I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour and a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and we may die. This is a sad story. That we may eat it and die. It doesn't faze Elijah. He says to her, do not fear and go do as I've told you. This sad story has not phased Elijah one bit. Come on. You know he must be a preacher. How many know what I'm talking about, right? He's like, I really don't care. Go get my Twinkie. You know what I'm saying, right? And he said, but make me a small cake from it. Watch this word, first. It's the law of first. See, some of us, we love God second. And some of us will we'll give our time to God if we have any time left over. And some of us will tip God if we have any left over. But I'm wondering if there's something significant to what we do first. Ah, it's called the law of first. See, God doesn't want to be second in our life. He wants to be first in our life. And order always determines outcome in our life. And what we put first has a lot of significance in our life. So he says, first, and bring it to me, and afterwards make some for yourself and your son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. There's a lot there. But it just feels so arrogant. How could Elijah be so arrogant to say, first, I want you to meet my needs? There's something to the first. There's something to giving God the first of the day. There's something to giving God the first of my finance. There's something to giving God the first of my life. It's the law of first. Because order determines that. Let me say it this way. Matthew, this is on your notes, but Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 33, it says it this way. Jesus is speaking, and he says, seek. Come on, Bible scholars, where are you at? Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the things that had been previously talked about in that chapter, all of your careers, all of your jobs, all of your food, all of your providing, all of that stuff that they've already been talking about. He said, but if you would seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, Matthew 6, says, then all these other things shall be added unto you. But you might not get them if you don't understand the law first by honoring God, come on now, with our first. Elijah, are you crazy? No, Elijah isn't crazy. And it's very interesting that God sent Elijah to a poor widow and he didn't send her to a millionaire. Now watch this and don't miss this point because God did not send Elijah to the widow for the widow to provide for Elijah. See, you already missed it. God did not send Elijah to the widow for the widow to provide for Elijah. God was already providing for Elijah. God sent Elijah to the widow so that God could provide for the widow and give her an opportunity to get her finances in biblical order because order always determines outcome. Come on, everybody, right? It does. You say, well, I give to God. Yeah, but is he first in your life or is he the leftover? Order determines outcome. Watch this. The car hit Jim. Sorry, Jim. Four words. Four words. I'm not going to change the words at all. I'm going to use the same four words, but I'm going to change the order. All right? 
uh, the car hit Jim. Jim hit the car. Same four words, completely different order, completely different outcome. And God is wanting to do something in this lady's life. But first, he wants to do a miracle in her life. But first, she has to be willing to change the order. Come on. Because it takes some major faith to put him first instead of us first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Come on, everybody. Is he first? Is he first in your life? Is he first? Now, God was already providing for Elijah. I want to prove this to you. God didn't need that Twinkie and that cup of water for Elijah. God was already feeding him. Watch this. Go, go to my verse, 1 Kings 17. This is before he meets the woman. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. This is while a famine is going on. He has special drone delivery. Come on, everybody. He's being fed. God's already meeting her, his needs. And he doesn't need the woman from Zarephath to meet his needs because after this encounter, God continues to meet his needs. We read about this in the recent series, 1 Kings chapter number uh, 19. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over. It seems like Elijah likes cake. <laughs> Anybody else in the room is spiritual? I mean, I, I like it too. He looked around. If you got an angel cooking you cake you do not need a widow's cake the miracle was not about providing for the church oops sorry the miracle was not about providing for elijah the miracle was getting her faith in order so that god could do something great in her life i don't have the time but i'll give you the scripture and i'm telling you right now that she is glad that she allowed her faith to rise up in an area that looked like finances because later her son dies and if she hadn't worked out her faith at this level she may never have been able to work her faith out in this level because her faith died and now she sent for that same crazy man of god that asked her for some water and some bread and he went to the boy's room and laid upon him and prayed and the boy was resurrected from the dead if you're going to walk in faith you got to start in the law first and get God first priority in your life you better do it now because you might need it later you better work out your faith now because you might need it later I'd rather work out my faith on a generosity offering come on then I need healing in my life I need res restoration in my merit come on everybody right God was giving her an opportunity to live by faith because he knew that she would need to live by faith. Do I have that verse? Uh, give me that verse so everybody can have it. 1 Kings 17, 21, 22. That's the story of her son being resurrected again. Now, let me slow down and say this. Giving always brings provision and protection into our lives. Sacrifice always brings provision and protection in our life. Let me read one Old Testament scripture. You know it. You've heard it in church. Some of you have heard it abused in church. But just because it's been abused doesn't mean I'm not going to touch on it. Malachi chapter number three. It says, watch, watch the yellow words just for a moment, and then I got one more point for you. Bring the whole tithe. Somebody asked me not too long ago, Ken, what is a, they called it a tithe. If you're here, excuse me, I won't call your name. I said, what is a tithe? I said, no, it's not a tithe. The tide is what comes in from the ocean and goes out, okay? That's the tide, or it's detergent. But that's not what the Bible's talking about. The Bible's talking about a tithe. 
You say, well, what is that? I hear that being talked about, a tithe. Why do I bring a tithe to church? Now, I'm not going to get into the whole, well, are we under the law, are we under grace? I'll cover that another day. But God says bring the tithe. What is a tithe? A tithe represents 10. It represents 10%. Why did God want us to bring 10%? There has to be some significance to it. It's not some random number. Why can't it be 3%? Why isn't it 5%? Why isn't it 15%? Why does God want us to bring 10%? Because 10, if you understand mathematics, 10 represents everything. Because if you can count to 10, now all you do is repeat to count to a million. Come on, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. What happens at 10? You start over. 1, 1, 1, 2, 1, 3, 1, 4, 1, 5, 1, 6. You start over again. 2, 1, 2, 2, 2, 3, 2, 4. You start over again. 3, 1, 3, 2, 3. If you can count to 10, you can count to a million because 10 represents it all. God doesn't want it all back, but he wants symbolically for us to say, God, all the Play-Doh is yours. You bought it. You provided it. You store it. Come on. And in your grace, you let me have it a little bit in my life. Come on. And you notice where he says to bring, see how quiet it got in here all of a sudden? It's just like, this is an electric chair. We're always, Wah! and all of a sudden, okay, right. And he says, where does he bring it? He says, let's bring it to the storehouse. Now, the storehouse is not Red Cross, and the storehouse is not your neighbor in need. Those are good needs, and you can do that, but not with the tenth. He says, bring the tenth to the storehouse. What is the storehouse? The storehouse is the church house. Why should you bring it to the church house? Because the pe- preacher needs another Twinkie and a cup of water? No, not at all. Bring it to the storehouse so there would be food in my house house so there would be ministry in my house so when people come and need counseling there's counsel in the house so when we bring our children there's ministry in the house so when we come with our addictions there's deliverance in the house so that there is meat and provision in the house of God come on everybody watch this And if you're in a church and you can't see the meat in the storehouse and how it's helping people and clothing people and feeding people and blessing people and seeing people saved and delivered and set free and in their right mind, then I would say be a better steward with your seed and go plant that seed in a better storehouse where you can see with your eyes the meat that is in the storehouse. Come on, everybody. Are you hearing that? And this is the only place in all of Scripture he says, test me in this. Only place he says, test me. Come on, I double-dog dare you. That's in the King James, King Kenny version or something. I don't know. All right, and then verse number 11, he says, and I will prevent pests that devour your crops. Now, this does not mean that we're never going to have a problem and we're never going to have a hot water heater that goes out. Of course we are, because without those things going wrong, we'd never have to live by faith. Can you live by faith even when it's your last cup of water and God asks for it? Mm-hmm. Okay, i got to hurry. I'm out of time already, but I want to give you the second point. Good thing I only had two points today. So that's the setback. Now we're over the setback. Let's talk about the sacrifice. So you know this time in history, there's a whole bunch of false prophets going on, and Elijah is up there getting his own bread and meat every day. And God said, I've had enough with Jezebel and her husband and the false prophets. So I want you to call them to Mount Carmel, and I want you to put on a contest. And I want you to tell them to build an altar, and you build an altar, and whoever's God answers with fire, it will be known that I'm the God. This is getting ready to be one kind of church service you have never seen in your life. So let's pick up the story. Here's what it says in 1 Kings chapter number 18. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. 
Hmm. I like this. I, I, I really would like to take the time. Notice he said, choose one of the bulls and you go first. By the way, spoiler alert, their God's not going to answer. And anything other than God that you put first hmm, is not going to answer. There's going to be no fire. He let them go first, showing that order determines outcome. Uh, I, I can't get into that. I, I just messed with somebody. Okay, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them, and they prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal. And from morning till noon, check this out, from morning till noon, ah, come on down, right? Okay, Baal, answer us, exclamation point. They shouted, but there was no response. No one answered, and they danced around the altar that they had made. This is a crazy church service going on. They feel like if they yell louder, if they dance bigger, then God's going to show up. But what they haven't understood is there's one true God, and we have to put Him first. Right, everybody? Watch this. Now check this out. Uh, at noon, this is where the story gets really good. Elijah is one bad dude, everybody. Elijah's like, it's him versus 450. It's like Russell Wilson against all the football team. How many know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, come on, you know that's the truth. Okay, anyway, si sorry, side note. Okay, so anyway, it's him against 450 prophets, and he starts making fun of them. It's like, nowadays we only do this on Facebook, but he's doing it in person, everybody. Uh, he says, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Check out Elijah, because he knows what God's going to do. He, 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 he says, shout louder. Ha <laughs> ha! Shout louder. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he's in deep thought. Man, I love him. Maybe he's busy. Perhaps he's traveling. Perhaps his computer shut off. Uh, maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. Do I have any more? Come on. Now, it's Elijah's turn. And Elijah... They've done it. In fact, if you read the rest of the story, they're cutting themselves, they're ripping their clothes. I mean, this is like, whoo! How many know some church services, they think the wilder you get, the more God's going to show up. That's one of them right there, Mount Carmel. There it is. I mean, when people start ripping their clothes in church, get out of there, okay? I'm just saying. I'm just saying, all right. So now it's a lie. Whoo! I was tempted to take off this hot jacket, but now I'm not. Okay, here we go. He arranged the wood. It's Elijah's turn. They've done their thing. Now it's Elijah's turn. He starts building an altar. Check it out. He arranged the wood. He cut the bull into pieces. He laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Can, this blows my mind. He, here's the rocks. Here's the wood. Got the bull. And it's almost like, it, it almost feels like an afterthought. Oh, those jars over there. Hey, and he says this. Watch this. Fill four large jars with water. Many Bible scholars believe that they had to traipse all the way down the mountain, fill up the four jars of water, bring them all the way back up. That's a job. And pour it on the offering and on the wood. Watch Elijah. Tell me he ain't a bad somebody. Watch this. Do it again. Hey, they come up. They just drove all night with children's equipment. Hey, go do it again. Mm-hmm. 
I just worked, I just worked my hiney off. That's Greek for your back end, all right? I just worked my hiney off to do this thing. Now I want you guys to do it again. They went down, they did it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time. I almost think that he's having a blast with them. I don't have the time, but how many know there's something significant to three, right? Three times. Uh, the sacrifice, three times. He sent them down three times. They came back up, and they poured the water on the altar. Now, watch this. I used to preach this as a young preacher, and I always thought, that them pouring the water on the sacrifice, I always thought this was to enhance the miracle. It's kind of like a David Copperfield thing, you know, like, watch this, handcuff me, whoa, I'm going to get out of it, put me in water, oh no, swallow the key, ah, blindfold me, it can't be, put padlocks around it, like to enhance the magic trick. I always thought the water was always, all just about enhancing the miracle until I realized the bull wasn't the sacrifice. Because in a time of famine, bulls were dying anyway. The bull wasn't the sacrifice. The water, the best commodity they had in a time of famine. Go get the most precious commodity you have and bring it back. And let's see if God doesn't show up at the place of sacrifice. Come on, somebody, right? And the rest of the story is, come on, the rest of the story, they filled it up, and you know the rest of the story. Do I have any more than that? Uh, yeah, I do. And anyway, God answered, and God answered with fire, and fire came down. The bull was not the sacrifice. The water was the sacrifice, and God always shows up at the place of sacrifice. Let me close. Watch Jesus now getting ready to begin his ministry, come walking down the muddy banks of the Jordan River, mud squishing between his toes as he walks out to his cousin John the Baptist who's standing in the Jordan and he's baptizing. Watch Jesus walk to him. He who is without sin is going to demonstrate what all of us need to do and that sacrifice, die to ourselves. He's getting ready to demonstrate through water baptism what's getting ready to happen to him later in his ministry. He walks out to his cousin, John the Baptist, and, and John's going to baptize him. And, 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 and it represents, watch this, death, burial, and resurrection. He is prophesying that God shows up at the place of sacrifice. Watch him go to John, and John dunks him under the water, and as he comes up, the heavens open up. And a voice from heaven, Matthew chapter number 3, says, God speaks up because God shows up at the place of sacrifice. And he says, this is my beloved son who I am well pleased. And watch the Holy Spirit descend upon him like a dove because God always shows up at the place of sacrifice. Let me conclude with what I began with. I told you in the Old Testament, the high priest would come with his bells and his pomegranate and he would offer the blood sacrifice on the day of atonement so that the sins of the people would be covered. Let me take you to a Jesus who just demonstrated in the waters of baptism, death, burial, and resurrection. Watch him hang on a cross and sacrifice his life. Watch him. I can't take you there. Go read it later. Watch him. Four 
for, fast forward what's going on behind the scenes. Revelations chapter number 5. The Bible says the 24 elders and the angels were around the throne room of God and they were crying because God held a scroll in his hand. That scroll was the title deed to your life and my life. That scroll was the title deed to all humankind. That scroll was the title deed for grace and salvation and purpose in our life. That scroll re- was the title deed to yours and I life. But God could not open the scroll because somebody had to pay the price for the sin that was committed. Somebody had to sacrifice and pay what the law required. And the Bible says they were crying around the throne room of God because nobody was worthy to open the scroll, which means you and I are all doomed to hell. But the Bible says, wait a minute, there, it looks like the lion of the tribe of Judah, a lamb who has just been slain, kicked open the doorways of heaven and walks through the hallways of heaven. And because he showed up, he sacrificed. It said he looked like a lion that had just been, or lamb that had just been slain. Why? Because there was a sacrifice. And because of the sacrifice, God is now able to open. Am I losing you? Or are you with me? And now watch this, watch this. And he tells his disciples, hey, disciples, don't you go anywhere or say anything. You wait in an upper room until I've applied the blood to the throne room of heaven. And he says, wait, wait right there in an upper room. And they waited. And the Bible says, come on, Revelations 5. He applied the blood. Atonement was made for you and I. Here it is, everybody. Acts chapter number 2. And suddenly, suddenly what? A sound of a mighty rushing wind. Don't start this thing called the church until God shows up. Don't go, don't pass go, don't do one more thing until God shows up. In the meantime, while they're waiting, he's applying the blood. And we know the blood was accepted because the bell was ringing. And in Acts chapter number 2, suddenly the sound, the sound, the sound, the sound of what? The sound of the Holy Spirit. The sound of the bell is ringing. The sound of the church is resurrecting because God always shows up at the place of sacrifice. Come on, everybody, right? Mm. All right, I got to stop. I got to stop. Would you stand with me? I got to stop right there. I hope that made sense. I went fast through that last little bit.